Tonight's study is going to be 158 in uh, 1 Timothy 6, and we're getting pretty close to toward the end of uh, 1 Timothy. But uh, I want to say this before we get started, that uh, what we're going to look at tonight, basically, is... Uh, Verses 11 through 13, I don't think I will have time to do 14 because of the amount of stuff that we need to look at as as we go along. But I wanted to make this point. There's two points here that I wanted to make. Verses 11 through 14 is the charge to Timothy. And we can't call him young Timothy anymore because somebody said a while back in, in this study of Timothy that at this point in time that he would be somewhere around 38, 39 years old. So you can't really call him young, but you can't call him old either. But I don't think Timothy had ever married, and I think traveling with Paul, it probably wouldn't have been a good idea if he was married. But Paul here is telling Timothy many of the things that he will need to know as he goes on down through uh, this ministry here because when we get in out of verse 11 and get into verse 12, uh, <clears throat> Paul talks about fighting the fight. And the fight has been going on ever since we got into the Garden of Eden in chapter 2 of, of Genesis. But uh, uh, Paul realizes that his time is about up. And that uh, he also realizes and understands, I guess, from God that uh, he's going to be the next one up, as we talk about in baseball, like, you know, batting uh, the lineup. And so, evidently, Timothy there has been uh, pointed at, I think, by God to Paul as being the next one to take up the mantle and to to do this uh, bidding here for God's work in the ministry. And, of course, now, if we look at it from the time it's written until now, you know, it's been a little over 2,000 years. And so... uh, a long time, but it's not very long in God's time. So in God's time, a thousand years is just kind of like the twinkle of an eye, so to speak. But <clears throat> verse 11 through 14 is a charge uh, for Timothy to keep the faith. <clears throat> and uh, so this is where we're going to start tonight in uh, verse 11. Of First Timothy six, and uh, 
So uh, we'll just go ahead and do like we've been doing. We're going to read it out of the uh, King James Version and then going to read my notes and we'll read the Koine Greek and then we'll read Jack's notes and we'll look at what Jack left for us to look up. And all these verses of Scripture, folks, has been a real blessing to me and a, and a real eye-opener because I've seen things that uh, have been brought up that I hadn't seen before. And that's the way it always needs to be in God's Word, especially those who try to teach. And so we'll just go ahead and get started. It said, But thou, O man of God, and you see, right off the bat, Paul calls Timothy, O man of God. But O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. And, uh, and that's six things there that Paul has always asked people to do, to follow after those things. And we just left off last week in 10 where we talked about the love of money is the root of all evil, which some covet after they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through many sorrows. And it's not hard to get pierced with sorrows. And uh, being with Ronnie and Lori this week, I realized that being pierced with sorrows is uh, is just part of, of of the life that we live here on this earth, and the way it's grown, and the way it's gotten involved with all of the things and of the war between. Uh, God and Satan and the enmity that he put between uh, the seeds of uh, Satan and man and, and realize that uh, certainly uh, you can't say enough about righteousness and godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness in this day and time. It, it seems like it it just floats on off, but Hope that we understand and realize this. Now, okay, going to my notes. It says this, But now, Timothy, O man of God, flee these things. Talking about the love of money. Uh, and the flee there is, is, uh, 2343 in the Strong's. And it means to run away, uh, to show, to shun, or vanish, or escape from. And uh, so there's things that we need to kind of run to, and as a fireman for a long time, uh, I've always run two things rather than run away from them. you got two kinds of firemen or two kinds of people. I ain't going to say firemen because 
if you run away from it, you, you, you're not going to be very much of a fireman. But, uh, you know, you need to run to where the need is. And this is what Paul is telling to Timothy. Now, Timothy is still in Ephesus. And Paul left him over there to keep them people straight and for them to teach things that Paul had taught the Ephesians before he left. And so he's not with Timothy. Hasn't been with him. But he wants to be. And since he's not with him, he's writing these two letters, First and Second Timothy, and he's, he's writing them uh, to try to get together with Timothy again before he runs out of time. And he knows his time is getting close. Now, uh, God always prepares people for things, I think, in a sense. And here was a preparation period going on in these two epistles that Paul wrote uh, for Timothy to do that. So, it's to run away, to shun, to vanish, or escape from. And to follow after righteousness. Uh, and righteousness there is the uh, diocene, and it is a decree of acquittal or justification. That is to follow after righteousness. He's, he's in a situation uh, of, uh, of acquittal or not to be, uh, there's something not to be uh, charged with. And it says godliness. And, uh, and, and certainly, uh, godliness is mentioned in verse 3 of this same chapter, I think. Let me look and see if it was. Yeah. And let's just, I'll just read it as, as we go along because it says, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. So godliness there is is uh, a doctrine or a teaching according uh, to godliness. And then faith is the word here. And it's used quite a lot that Paul writes as he gets in First and Second Timothy. And faith here is pistis. And love. Uh, and this love that he mentions here is spontaneous love or love like God has, this uh, agape love. And it can be just one way. And a lot of times if you get involved with uh, teaching or testifying to someone else, it needs to be spontaneous and it needs to be truthful and it needs to be in love. Amen. Okay. And then you got the next word there that we're looking at is patience. And patience is a virtue that we try to hold in our life 
And uh, patience is uh, is something sometimes it needs to be acquired because uh, the Holy Spirit can lead, guide, and direct you, but it's you that has to do the working out of patience. Now, the Holy Spirit can just go so far with that, but it depends upon the individual quite often. But that is what is, uh, uh, we call it back over in chapter 5 of 1 Timothy, we call it piety or piety. And that means being the grown-up in the group or in the room or in whoever you're with. And it, it doesn't require belief, but it does require attention. And, and God used it a couple of times in scripture to show that we always need to be a uh, grown up in the room. We don't need to be childlike when we're dealing with other people and dealing with those that need to know and understand God's Word more fully. Okay. Meekness and patience both <coughs> are spirit-based. And uh, not necessarily have to, but uh, certainly if you, if you follow after and you are endowed with the Holy Spirit of God within you, then that is that is just uh, normal day to day workings of what is required by us. Now, verse eleven uh, in. The Corne Greek. We're going to read this out of Jack's Workman's Interlinear. And then we're going to read what Jack has said about it. And uh, so here we go in the Corne Greek. And here it comes down out of the Corne Greek. And it's a little different. And it says, You but, O man of God, these things flee, talking about uh, the love of money or the love of riches and all the things that are of the world. Uh, get away from them. Move out. Pursue and righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and meekness. See, so there's things that you need to flee from, and then there's things that you need to be steadfast in here. But on down into the more modern English, it says, But you, O man of God, flee these things, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and meekness. And that's, that's pretty much the way it comes out in the King James Version of Scripture. And uh, Paul 
says this, Timothy is considered by Paul as the man of God. Here he is addressed as such. These are things he must run from. To be defeated due to foolishness is not the goal which God has for his warriors. Satan is ever on the prowl and will easily bring down the unwary. Flee Satan and you are pursuing the six action virtues that we read about in this verse of Scripture. Should we apprehend these six, apprehend these six, we will be in good condition for the long fight ahead. Indeed, endurance is one of the six that we read about. <coughs> Excuse me. And then we got several places we want to look at here in 11. And Jack has left us with a, a list of uh, seven places, I think, that we need to look at. So, let's get back to our list of looking, and we're going to go. We're going to go back and start at Matthew, and we'll wind up. We'll wind up in the book of James. So we let's start where we can begin, and then end up where we need to end up. So Matthew. That's Mark. We're going to read, uh, <coughs> excuse me, five, Matthew five, five through nine, from page thirteen, sixteen. And it says this. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I'll just go ahead and read 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay. <coughs> That's the first one that, that Jack asked us to look at. The next one is in the book of Romans. So let's go over to Romans. Romans 5. And we're going to look at 1 through 5 in Romans 5. And that's on page 1671. If you have a companion Bible. 
It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And certainly Paul should know that firsthand, straight up, and far above anyone else. And patience, experience, and experience, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So the Holy Ghost is given for these understandings and how to use them in that sense. Okay, the next one is 1 Corinthians 13. So it isn't far over. First Corinthians fifteen. Okay. We're getting there. No, first Corinthians thirteen, I'm sorry. I can't read my own writing. One through five. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men, and of angels, and have not charity, and become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and I have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to the, to the, to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaulteth not itself and is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeking not her own is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. So we we see the things that Paul has asked Timothy to look hard at here, and the list just seems to go on and on and on. Okay, the next one is in Ephesians, and we find it in Ephesians 2.2. In Ephesians 2.2, 2, we're going to read 2-10. to 10. It talks about being quickened who were dead and trespasses and sin, but he says, Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh, 
in the children of disobedience. You see, we can't never get away from this action that's going on between God and Satan. It's there, whether we see it or whether we don't. It's there. It says, among whom also we have our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Wherefore, or where, by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So he's, again, (coughs) Paul is reminding Timothy. Always remember what you've heard, son. And follow its advice. Second Timothy three seven. He said there are those in verse seven. 317, I'm sorry. Only one verse there. It was 317. And he says this, that the man of God may be perfect or perfectly fitted, if you would like to use that example, thoroughly furnished. So if you're perfectly fitted by the Holy Spirit, then you're thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God has given you the ability to do these good works because He provides you with all the necessary tools that it takes to get that done. Two more. Let's turn to Hebrews. Hebrews 12. Yeah. Hebrews 12. We're going to look at verses 2 through 6. 2 through 6 here says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him 
He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as to the children, as unto children, which says, My son, despise not now, not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every man whom he he receiveth. So, a little word there for Timothy that way. And then we're going to look at James. James 1, we're going to look at verses 12 through 16. 1, 12 through 16. 1848. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love Him. Let no man when let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt, tempteth He any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brother. He says there in verse 16, do not err. Keep on the right path. Keep going down the right way. <coughs> when I read these things, I always think about Brother Baker and the little places that were drawn in in his papers. And there was one that I never forgot. And that was standing at the road and it forked out. And there's two ways to go. There's the right way to go, the way that God wants you to go, and that's the word yalak. And the other one was the word halak. That's the way you want to go yourself, oftentimes. And so, we get to the forks of some of these roads, 
of the forks in some of our lives. And we need to stop and kind of take a good long look and make sure we went down the right way. Verse 12. Let's go back to 1 Timothy 6. <coughs> look at verse 12. But I want to, before I read this verse of Scripture, I want to read you something that you might ought to understand. In verse 12, from verse 12 of 1 Timothy 6 to 2 Timothy 4, 7, can be a parenthetical insertion. This is going to be some of the final words that Paul is going to tell to Timothy. And so you could read from this verse, next verse of Scripture, go to the end of the chapter and start with Second Timothy, read from verse 1 of that to 4, 7. And the big, the big words here is fight. Fight. And Paul is going to say in 4-7, I have finished my fight. I have fought the fight. I have kept the faith. Fight and faith is the great thing between all this. And just like Ronnie pointed out in his study in, in Revelations, from chapter 12, to 16 is parenthetical insertion. You can read and get all this understanding that you really need and get it down in your mind and your heart and you'll not go wrong with it. So, what Paul is telling Timothy here is great words, wonderful words. Not that, not, not that all of God's words not great, but He's providing Timothy, whether he sees him in person before his end of time or he don't. This is what he wants Timothy to know. So let's keep it in our mind until we're done with these epistles that we're looking at here. <coughs> okay. So I'm going to go back. Excuse me. Going to go back to 1 Timothy 6 and look at verse 12 in the King James Version. It says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hope on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. But this is the old man of God. This is Timothy. Sometimes he backed off a little bit. I don't know if it was his nature to be a little standoffish sometimes or not. 
But Paul is admonishing him or giving him a charge, really stay on the job and really do what it is that you've been chosen to do. Because Paul understands that the mantle is going to go from one to the other not too long down the road. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold, lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. <coughs> Keep that testimony going, Timothy. Keep that testimony going. Okay, I'm going to read my note. It says, uh, the fight, the good fight, and that uh, fight is a little different from the next fight, that uh, fight, the good fight. There's difference in these two fights. One is in Luke 13:24. So, uh, before we get any further in my notes, let's just go back there and look at that for a minute. In Luke, and I don't know where I, I don't know where I marked it out or not, but I'm going. I want to read it anyway. Uh, Luke 13. No, I didn't, but here we go. Luke 13, 24. It says this, Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. So there's some striving here that goes along with a fight. If you're going to get into a fight, you need to strive to finish it because generally the winner is the the one that needs to be on out front and on top with the right things to do. So it's... And that fight is Agon Azomai. And, uh, and the other fight there is Agon Par Onomazai. And that comes from Philippians 1.30. So while we're here, and while we're flipping around, so let's, let's look at Philippians. Won't take but a minute to get back to Philippians and look at that fight because it's a little bit different. One thirty. It says, "Having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me." 
because he says in 29, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So sometimes when you're in a fight, you can strive to win, but sometimes you suffer a loss. And he says, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here in me. So the conflict there in the second conflict, if you're going to fight the good fight, it needs to be the good end of the, of the warfare of, because it is the fight of faith. That faith there is pistis. Uh, whereunto thou, Timothy, art called or brought into the knowledge of and hast professed a confession, a good profession before in the sight or midst man. So there's a fight there that needs to be fought, and it's a fight of faith. And you're urged to fight, to strive, and to stay in the conflict uh, in, in that, uh, because the Lord will certainly help you uh, carry on this fight because it's His will that it is being involved here. So, let's look at what Jack says in the Koine Greek in verse 12. Let me turn the page and get on the right page here so I can see what I'm reading here. Okay, it says, Now the Koine Greek, down from the King James Version to the Koine English, it says, Combat the good combat of the faith. So, that is warfare. Combat is, is warfare in a sense. Lay hold upon age life unto which you were sealed and confess the good confession before the face of many witnesses. So that's that's that part of it. And then look back at the uh, English it says, combat the good combat of faith, lay hold upon the age life unto which you were sealed, and confess the good confession. First Timothy 6.12 and Second Timothy 4.7 are blessed bookends. And that's just what I mentioned a little bit ago. It said, read them in the end and you will see what I mean. These bookends, or the parenthetical insertions, enclose the life of the Apostle Paul, our extinct pattern. He has fought the good fight. 
And he also says to lay hold upon age life. There are many ages of time in God's plan. The age or ages of the body members in the above heavenlies is spoken of in Ephesians 2, 6, and 7. They are no parameters of the age found in the scriptures, parameters of the age found in scriptures. In the reference above, we find them in progress. However, we were sealed into these ages. In heavenly parlance, it is accomplished. It is an accomplished fact. We, in our turn, have not been shy to speak of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's two places he, he wants us to look at. One in Acts. One in Acts and, and one in Romans. So we're going to go back to Acts 18. So turn with me back to Acts 18. In Acts 18, let's see, we're going to look at 12 through 18 on page 1626. So Acts 18.12 says this, And when Gallio was the deputy of Archaea, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, <coughs> Excuse me. This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Galileo said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, lewdness, O ye Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names, and of your law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge of certain matters. And he drawed them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sothenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. And Galileo cared enough for none of these things. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence unto Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Centuria, for he had taken a vow. So, He was going there uh, to finish his vow.
Now, there's one more there that we need to look at. And that's in Romans 10. So turn with me over to Romans 10. Okay. We're going to look at Romans 10. And we're going to be asked to look at it again. Romans 10. Nine through ten. It says in verse nine that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shall believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So that was the two verses that Jack wanted us to see. And... Chapter 10. And uh, so we'll go back to 1 Timothy 6. We'll look at 13 if we've got time. What time is it, Lord? 927. 927. Well, we're just about out of time. Well, let's go ahead and look at it. Whether we can get all the Scripture in or not, we can pick up with the Scripture again next week. <coughs> but in 13 it says, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickest all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. So, that's what 13 is told us here. It says, I, Paul, give thee or give to you a charge, Timothy, how to keep your testimony in the sight of God. And that is before Him who has been chosen And not, and not be in God's sight. Well, the question was, uh, I, Paul, give you the charge in the sight of God or before Him. And the question is, uh, who has been chosen and not be in God's sight. My my point was that. If you've been chosen to be in God's sight, you're always going to be in God's sight. You, there's nowhere you can hide. 
in 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 that sense. So when he says in thirteen that he had been been called, and or in twelve he said he he had been called, and uh, he says he quicketh all things before Christ Jesus. And uh, and quick if there is to be made alive. Uh, if you're in the sight of God, and uh, He's the one that can quicken you or make you alive, of all, make you understand also all things. And before Christ Jesus. Who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession? Because you see, there was times and places there, and we'll 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 look at that as we start our next study. But when Christ was brought before Pontius Pilate, and Pilate checked him out pretty good, and he says. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him and said to him, Thou sayest I am. So see, he was reading, he was reading Pontius Pilate because he knew what Pontius Pilate believed. And he can do that. He, he's, he's God. He can do that. And so he said, well, you say that I am. Isn't that enough? But no, it wasn't enough because they didn't want to accept that. And they wanted him to do their dirty work and to put Christ on the, on the cross. And not only were they part of the minions of, of Satan, but Satan says, well, if I can get him up there, if I can get him dead, that's all I need. That's all I need. And then three days later he found out that wasn't all he needed. Because look what he had done for the rest of the world. And we need to talk about that a little more through these scriptures. We'll, we'll, we'll pick that up there. When we get started next time, and we'll take it up and go on from there. So bow with me, and uh, <coughs> I appreciate you being with me because it's this this cough has been terrible, and uh, it, it seems like in times it gets better, but. It seems like when I get in God's Word, it kind of goes the other way. So maybe I'm being stretched out in this fight a little bit also. So uh, Remember me in your prayer. Bow with me. Heavenly Father, as we come this day, Lord, we, we thank You for the opportunity. We thank You for Your love and grace. We thank You for being called to be in the body of Christ. And Lord, we ask you to watch over us.
Give us direction and guidance through your word and through your spirit that we might do the things here in this place that we call our home. Lord, that we might have a witness and a testimony that others can surely see and understand and believe. And that we can all grow together as one into the body of Christ. Thank you again for your love. Thank you for these that come this way and took time out in their busy schedule to get into God's Word for a few minutes. Thank you for them. Thank you for their love and thank you for their attention. And Lord, help us all to come to a greater knowledge of your love. Thank you for all you do for us. In Christ's name we ask you this day. Amen.